And last but not least, we have a sports spotlight for you, so let's get right to it. We start with today's shot of the day. Here's a feed inside, Lobersay has the ball stripped away, loose ball on the floor, saved by Sean Robbins. Oh, my God! Oh, my God, too bad it's in the wrong basket. And watch this young man, ladies and gentlemen. You've been bowling now five years? Yeah. And you're how old? Four. That doesn't add up. <laughs> oh. So if you grew up in Boston in the 70s or the 80s or a little of both, you recognize that voice. If you had any passing interest at all in sports, that's Bob Lobel was the anchor of WBZ Channel 4 uh, Sports for years and years in the 70s and 80s. He really was the central figure in Boston sports media for as long as I can remember. This is David Yaz, and welcome to the Boston Podcast. Happy 4th of July, everybody. And we've got a special guest, the one and only Bob Lobel, looking back on his career. We promised you here at the Boston Podcast that you would hear from Boston icons and hear their war story war stories and Bob Lobel tells a bunch of them with us so you're going to enjoy this uh, I am joined by Sarah Worley of Worley Conflict Resolution per usual and you're going to hear a lot from Lobel on moments in Boston sports the uh, era when Boston sports fans were the most tortured and how Bob took advantage of that you're going to hear something about Bill Buckner that will shock you because I've never heard this before about uh, a premonition he had about uh, the 1986 World Series and some other stuff that's just so much fun. I wish I could have spent three hours with Bob Lobel. We were limited to about one hour, but it's terrific. So thanks for joining us on the Boston Podcast, and we're going to get to Bob right now. But I just need to quickly mention that you can find all of our past episodes on thebostonpodcast.com. If you want to book a guest, if you want to appear on the show yourself, Shoot me an email, davidlyas at gmail.com. Or, you know what, heck, give me a call. 781-820-1027. As usual, we thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. Once again, happy 4th of July, and please enjoy the show. This one's for you, Boston. Boston's a different city than it was 20 years ago. The hope rises again, and the dream lives on. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. The world will return to this great American city to run harder than ever and to cheer even louder. This is our f***ing city. Yes, it's our city. It's our town. It's our weekend. Actually, it's not your weekend. You're listening on a Monday, but it's our prerogative to welcome you to the Boston Podcast once again. Thank you for joining us. Um, happy Fourth, everyone. I hope you had a great one. Um, yeah, that was some display, huh? Th- it was amazing, wasn't it? Amazing. Oh, and uh, the orchestra, and yes. you know, all the the pomp and yep. circumstance. They get it right. <laughs> I'm sitting here with the the great Bob Lobel, uh-huh. and and I and he's already shrugging and trying to be humble. But hey, really, go ahead. Well, the <laughs> what would prompt you to say that? Well, the, the thing that's great about this podcast is it, it's basically allowed me to just to go through my list of heroes and just look them all up and have conversations with them. Will they and be showing up soon? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, David. If you grew- <laughs> Lucky to be here. If you grew up here in the 70s or 80s or, or perhaps even the 90s, 
uh, you knew who Bob Lobel was, and it was it was really back in the the day, and and um, the 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 comedy film Anchorman, I think, brought us back to that era when when huh. it, I, I Jack Williams would be the <laughs> state classy San, Jack, San Diego. Jack Jack had a little Ron Burgundy in him, didn't oh, he? Oh my God, yeah. little really, he was Ted Knight before there was a Ted Knight. <laughs> But the, those were those were amazing days, right? I mean, it, you couldn't. It wasn't that you were relevant. It was that you were indispensable for 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 your corner of the world for sports. If you wanted to know the sports, you you had to watch at at uh, six and and eleven. And um, you know, I used to set my VCR because I didn't want to miss uh, Sports Spotlight on on Thursday nights. I mean, do, do, how do you look back on those days? Well, I think there were only three or four stations which has yeah. made a considerable difference because each one of those stations are the ones that had a newscast. Their strategy was to brand the people that were on that newscast. Right. So you knew Chet and Nat, you knew Jack and Liz, you knew Lynchy, you knew Dick Albert, Schwegler, they were all branded uh, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, honestly, and this is no knock on the present people there, but I have no clue right. who is on each station, but there were, back then, kind of we all knew. Yeah. And, and TV people, it was just that time when I wouldn't say they were celebrities, but they were celebrities. They were well known. Of course, you were. And then when uh, you know the prolifer prolifer proliferation of the stations mm -hmm. came, and you know it's all spread out, and it, it really has changed. It'll never be the way it was. I'm convinced that yeah. that was an era. I feel extremely fortunate to have been. I rode the wave. Yeah. You know, I rode the wave when it came to, to TV popularity, and I rode the wave when it came to sports. Yeah. And I was just determined to try not to screw it up, to, to, to do it differently. To try, you know what? It was really I was really try serious about not being serious. If I could yeah. make Liz Walker laugh, it was it was. I made my night, but then again, if I made her laugh, then I had to believe I made somebody out there laugh. That was the, the difference, I think, with your team, with the other teams, was that it was genuine. When when Liz laughed, she was really laughing. When you goofed on her and you and you called her Elizabeth and, and, and the three the three of you laughing and maybe Joyce laughing off to the side or, or Bruce, and that was... Um, it was uh, must-watch TV because it was it was something, and and you're I think you're right. You don't get that now. Yeah, the only person I can name now is Jack Williams. <laughs> That's true. Right. He's gone. Yep. So yep. you know what, Liz Walker, speed dial. She now is a is minister right? now. No, put lit under Jesus. That's right. I can push push up Jesus, and I'll get Liz Walker. <laughs> she knows it. I, I want to call Liz. I'll call Jesus. I, I knew. Uh, That's the way it is. I knew she was a minister when my my saint and aunt Margie Clapperwood was was ill a few years ago and she's recovered now. Liz held a a telephonic um, what um, uh, service of some sort. What do you call it? A, a revival, I, I, a revival, or seance something? Seance. <laughs> And they, uh, you know, to, to cheer Margie's spirits and had a bunch of people on the line on a conference call. But let's back up one minute. I didn't say who I was. You can tell that, that there's there's only one media legend sitting at the table because I didn't even think to introduce that is myself. So unreal. So, no, that's so, not fair. I mean, much too hard on yourself. Well, thank you, Bob. Bob, uh, Bob and I know each other at Cross Pass a couple times, and I was over at Lawyers Weekly. You were kind enough to participate oh, yeah. in some of our events, you, you might remember. Um, but uh, so I am David Yes from Morgan Stanley, and I'm alongside. 
the great Sarah Worley. We might as well be great. Might as well all be great uh, yeah. today, my pal. How are you, my friend? I'm really well, thank you. you but I'm in the presence of the legend, Bob Lobel. I'm I, kind of excited. You're humbled. Yes. I am humbled. Now, we, did you grow up uh, watching the the local news, or, or do you do you remember well, that whole team? This this I recording is like a secret. The, yeah. These, this information won't get out, right? You never watch so, TV. Right. Be quiet. <laughs> I grew up in the least sporting household oh. imaginable. However, I live in a world of men mm-hmm. and a world where sports knowledge is important. I got all of my sports knowledge from Bob Lobel. So go. I watched so. religiously so that I could go in the next day to work and parrot what he it's said. Very, very flattering. Thank you. But it's true. I mean, it just means a lot, you know? You could be lying, it would still mean a lot. No, but I'm not. I know. And I also did on on occasion attribute the comments to you. Sometimes I made them sound like I made them up (laughs) myself. Well, I mean, it was must watch, and it was it was really. uh, And by the way, we're recording this at the Newton Marriott, just in a in a ballroom where they're getting ready for a wedding. The Lowenstein wedding doesn't go on until 7 p.m. or so. I think we're okay. (laughs) But if you have some background, I'm not in it. Thank God. (laughs) No, neither one. I know the words. But, but, but uh, so. I, I give you credit for inventing something, and you you, you may deflect it, but um, the humor in sports was not necessarily a thing that people did. Okay, and and you not only created, you had that as I mentioned, the thir- you had the Thursday night tradition of doing Sports Spotlight, which was a uh, a ma- sort of a video mashup of humorous moments, could have been from the weeks past, but also could have been from whenever. And you had such a wicked sense of humor that you'd have a sporting, uh, you'd have a, a sport flub or a, or a hockey player running into a referee, and then you'd have Ronald Reagan mispronouncing somebody's name. That was one of your favorites, I think. And uh, it was it was wonderful. And I, I think it's the first time people tried to pull that. Well, here, you know what? Everybody does it now. That's right. It's no question. ESPN but, stole your stick. You know what? It was I in in truth. Uh, David, I, it was not my deal. It was Rod, It was Roger Twybell who oh, was yeah, on yeah. before me. Sure. He really started it, so yeah. I can't take credit for starting it. I just mm-hmm. continued it, and I, I think I just made it a little funnier than Roger, but it was the same theory. And I, I can remember going into the editing room about an hour before the 11 o'clock news with this one editor that kind of, we took care of each other and on that particular segment, and then we'd just have the tapes and I, we'd write it down tapes write it down it was like a creative thing on the spot it yeah. wasn't like we spent a lot of time on it but that's that was the best part yeah you know throw down the video write a line it was it was a creative thing so he was he was more involved in putting it together than i was and twybell it's really kind of his thing but well, well, yeah, I remember Roger Twelve. No, nope, yeah, so but I, I could have just taken credit for it. Nobody's not going to call me back. <laughs> no, I was wrong. It was me. Um, I can't what, remember that. Of all those days, what can you think of moments where you were proudest of things that you did? What 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 are your, what are the highlights of, of your career? And I don't mean necessarily the success of our teams because. Let's face it, you had to entertain us during some pretty dark years for our teams, too. But what do you, what do you, that was really, yeah. you know what, that was just as important as, yeah. the, as the good, it just made the good years better. Yeah. And there were some really dark times. Mm-hmm. Red Sox, you know, just things like, why can't we get players like that? Yeah. And one of the, uh, I'm always reminded of the things that I just keep forgetting, like, one of the things I really enjoyed more than anything else was picking on the Red Sox. I really, <laughs> I thought they were, they were bad guys. Shooting the fish front in a barrel. Was oh, bad. is that right? Yeah, okay, yeah. And I, I always enjoyed. Back then, they were pretty bad, consistently. Oh, yeah. But yeah. putting, uh, 
a sign on at 11 o'clock, you know, warning Red Sox highlights. <laughs> so send the kids send the kids to bed. I'm about to show Red Sox highlights. That, that, Maybe I thought disturbing that was, to some viewers. It yeah. just was a little, you know, throwaway line. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so that's interesting because my, people have always the the or my non-Boston friends always used to tease us relentlessly. You'll, you'll never win. You're cursed. You're cursed. You're cursed. So um, now to me that, you know, Dan Shaughnessy and others have made a, a cottage industry out of talking about the curse of the Bambino. Not, not talking he made about it someone. up. That's right. He and made it up. Okay. I love Dan. I think he's one of the best writers this town's ever had. Mm-hmm. He made that up. That's his deal. Mm-hmm. Curse of the Bambino. So so what is see? I have my answer. It's, there's, a, there's a perfectly good answer as to why it wasn't a curse, and the answer lies in the way that the curse was broken. I'm kind of asking a leading question, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, the, the what changed? What changed in, in uh, 2003 was the, the ownership. Well, ownership is really, you know, but people aren't happy with them now, even know. though they've won three. People are still, you know, browsing yeah, about them. Why aren't they spending enough money? Yeah. How come they're making really stupid decisions? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it never ends. But you know what? That's... Whoever what? said Boston fans will go back fans. to being miserable really soon, oh, yeah. even it's, after you win. They're just one breath away from <laughs> being miserable, which is kind of the fun part about it. I mean, so does that did that make this town harder for you, for you to do your job or, no, or easier? Easier. Easier. You yeah. know why? Because people cared. People. Yeah. You knew people were watching. You knew people cared, and you knew people kind of had a sarcastic sense of humor. They were right. they were serious about the Red Sox, but they got it. They knew that, hey. It's more fun to make fun of them mm-hmm. than to boo them. Right. And, uh, we, you know, we didn't really gotta go overboard, but on the other hand, that's kind of the way we treated it, and, and fans just seemed to re- react. So the first time I met you, I was uh, probably 12 years old. You, were, you spoke at my temple, and I'm sure you, you did a, a zillion of these things, but you were kind enough to be, you know, we would have these silly breakfasts, right? And so but everyone flocked to, to hear Bobo Bell. And I remember your opening remarks. This might have even been your stock speech. I said, well, I'll talk about the four franchises here. And there were two winners and two losers. And the Celtics and the Bruins are the winners. Oh, so, you know, that was the whole cyclical thing. It goes in cycles. It's now, amazing how it, it go got right turned back on to the cycle head. now. I yep. mean, which two suck and which two are right up there? I mean, you got to <laughs> consider the Red Sox, despite what's going on there now, between the Red Sox and the Patriots, those things just flip-flopped. The Bruins yeah. and Celtics were, were big and winning, and then all of a sudden it just kind of turned around. What was it that prompted your distaste for the Red Sox management, management back in the I just thought that they were um, the Yawkey Trust. I just yeah. thought that. They spent a lot of money and a lot of time feeding wildlife in South Carolina <laughs> and uh, on plantations or whatever. It all had to go back with Tom Yawkey and the way they looked at players. I mean, you don't have to go far, that far back and take a look at uh, Jackie Robinson sure. or Willie Mays or all those guys that tried out here, tried out here yeah. at Fenway Park and were, sorry, yeah. not good enough, uh, perhaps not white enough. Yeah. The question was, you know, that that was something that the, it took them a long time to overcome. And you know what? It really kind of rubbed off on the city. That's the way the Red Sox were. That's the way the city is. Well, it, it, is that changing? Yeah, I think so. But who knows? It just, it that's all kind of fit. And people, yeah. uh, they were comfortable with it, you know, until busing came along. There's a, there's a lot of history here, and it's not all happy. Mm-hmm. But... 
Yeah, conversely, um, yeah, the Red Sox were the the, the first. The, I'm sorry, the last, last team to integrate. And can you believe that? Yeah, it, 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 for a, a town uh, that's uh, supposed to be progressive and intelligent, in many ways we were backwards. I had never thought of that as the Red Sox sort of as a symbol for the city, but it it does fit. Now, conversely, the Celtics were, I think, the first team to integrate yeah. with Chuck Cooper, right? This, this is true. Yeah, and um, I don't I don't know how else to explain it. It was all about. The Celtics' popularity and Red Arback and it's, and um, they went through their whole dynasty part, but are they going to go through it again? I don't think so. Yeah. I think there's no shot because they're in the, they're in the middle. In the NBA, the worst thing you can do is be in the middle. Yeah. Either got to be really good or really bad to to get back in that final game. Mm-hmm. Celtics. No shot. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the I don't know what the Bruins are doing. I know half of the guys that they've gotten in the last 24 hours could walk in here and I wouldn't know. I, I have know. no clue who they are. No clue. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I heard I was listening on. Uh, I don't know if it was EEI or the the the, the other one. What's the other one? Um, uh, oh yeah, I know Sports uh, Hub. Sports Hub, right? Um, but all the moves that Don Sweeney has made, and I, I have no idea. Some people say that they're great. It's it's nice to hear people. It's like throwing stuff it. against the wall and seeing what's going to stick. Yeah. You know, hopefully it does. I mean, there's there's nothing better than playoff hockey. The, fact, the problem yeah. is you got to get through a whole regular season to watch it. Yeah. But and it is, it's, that's the way it is. So of all the um, seasons you've yeah. covered, what what do you think would pick a team and its most memorable season for you that you that you covered that you were so intensely involved in? I the Celtics when Bird uh, used to just go to the garden not so much to cover the games but to watch Larry Bird make a pass that's right I mean just you know that would be my sports moment of the night and they and back in 1981 they beat Houston they were in the finals that was the one of three that they won in that decade they should have won about three more but the reality was those uh, head-to-head meetings with the Lakers and all and Jabbar and Magic and Bird mm-hmm. that was pretty good stuff we all you know what we all kind of you know, took, took it for granted. Took it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, th- those days, um, you know, there, there's nothing like it, especially comparing the NBA now to the NBA then. I mean, the Please. style of play is... I mean, no, you're absolutely right. I have told yeah. uh, David, the, um, I'm, I'm sorry, it's unwatchable for me. Yeah. I, uh, unwatchable. I, I would have to say LeBron and uh, Curry, it was a pretty good matchup. You know, sure. I spent a couple times actually turning on the NBA Finals. Yeah, I, was surpri- I found myself watching it, too. More than a, I normally, more than I would have, but, you know, because of those yeah. two guys. But, again, the NBA was branded back in the 80s with those superstars. Yeah. But now, you know, it was a house of cards. They were about to crumble. The league was about to crumble because they were built on individual, individual stars, and they had right. nobody, nobody coming along. And That's they, why, I, yeah, I'll say, I mean, the, the debate is, is on, has been on this year because of LeBron's success, and, and listen, he's, he's, a, he's a man-child. He's an unbelievable, unbelievable player, right? Unbelievable. Unbelievable player, and if he played, I mean, it's, it's silly to even suggest, if he played Larry Bird in one-on-one, he's, he's probably going to destroy him. Probably. But, but to me, I, w- I would defend Bird as the better player and, and, and Magic as a better player because it is a team sport. Because yeah. the, to me, Bird's wizardry, wizardry was the way he uh, weaved all the talent around him into something so impressive and exciting. And LeBron, I maybe mean, you could say he doesn't have great players around him, perhaps, but LeBron's style is is 
just brute force when he needs to just bully his way, like the big brother beating up on the little brother he to make is, sure he doesn't win. He's a remarkable player, yeah. and none of those people, Jordan, Bird, McHale, were anything like him. They just weren't like him, yeah. Le LeBron. He stands alone. He's a, he's a different kind of player. But you're right. Uh, he's a much more singularity, one-on-one -on -one type of player. Bird was, he made everybody around him better. Mm -hmm. There were some great, you know, Dennis Johnson, Ainge. It was Bill Walton, 1986. That's probably the best team ever, ever. Mm -hmm. Bill Walton and, and if he doesn't Scott get Redman hurt, and if he doesn't get hurt in '87, we went. We probably went. Well, you know, right? Yeah. So it was. It was pretty cool, really. The whole that whole decade was. We did a thing at the end. I'd, okay, you want to say what? Ask me what I was more proud of than anything. Yeah, let's get back to that. We did a, <laughs> a special. It was called the Great Eighties. Mm -hmm. It was an hour special, uh, and the beginning of the special, we took the song. We didn't start the fire by yep. Billy Joel. Uh, we had an editor take out the words right. and leave in the music. Yeah. Don't ask me how. Yep. Probably illegal anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, this, this sounds like, okay, Bob, you're pounding yourself in the back, and the answer is you're right. <laughs> I wrote the, the song. Is that right? Okay. And Scott Wally sang it. Oh, is that right? And I wrote the song, Wally sang it, we didn't start the fire, but it used all Boston names in the 80s. Names and events, or just oh, names? No, names, and, and then, we had, then we edited, after we got it, the, the key was doing the song, and that's not an easy song. It's quick, right? Yeah, and, and there's a different... It's not that easy. <laughs> but then after we did the song, we put it down, and then we find the video. Yep. We had to match the video to the... It was pretty cool. Yeah, that had cool. a lot of quick uh, clips yeah, there. You can yeah. go, you know, it's on YouTube, I'm sure. But no, I, we will, yeah. In fact, you'll probably hear it on this podcast. I'll find it. I know, it's right. Yeah. No, no, I'd love to. Um, you, I remember I remember that you used to do a wrap-up show after winning the Celtics championship seasons, and I, I have vivid memories of those. You, you did one, I remember, with, with uh, you said with, with much relish, you said this final video montage will be set to... This, this song, which is uh, the theme from the Terms of Endearment, which of course starred Jack Nicholson, and you said that with a smirk. And, right, I remember and, that. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. I remember. Sure. I remember going out in L.A. and, and holding a microphone to him, and mm -hmm. and sitting, he's sitting in the center court, it's like halftime, and all he did was point up to the scoreboard. That's he right. Said, you know, he took. It was just. He had that sly look. Yeah. It, in fact, that series in '84, he did that, um, thinking that the the tide had turned in favor of the Lakers. Amazing. Well, what? What what a what a uh, a battle uh, those two, those two teams incredible. Um, why don't we take a quick break here and I we could talk to Bob Bell all day, but we're gonna have to get him home at some point. So when we come back, we'll talk about some other great moments in Boston sports. We'll talk about Bob's memories. We'll talk about what he thinks about the the landscape today and in, in sports media. Um, I'll give you a hint. It's not what it used to be. No, but we'll hear what we'll hear what Bob has to say. Please join us on the other side on the Boston podcast. Hey, this is Chuck Hogan. I'm the author of The Town, and you're listening to The Boston Podcast. Yes! And we're back on The Boston Podcast, talking yeah, good to... Good voice, huh? Ted, you're <laughs> you? you have radio, a job. Radio voice, radio face. 
That's what they say. Um, no, I listen. I I, I grew up uh, watching, uh, you know, uh, Bob LaBelle and Bob Costas, and um, you know, listening to the great Ned Martin. And I was a sports geek, and so yeah. you know, my my I used to play wiffle ball in the yard with my brother, and we would call the games. You know, yep. <laughs> so we were just we were just talking off the air about uh, the Rick Pitino era and how it was ultimately um, disappointing here in Boston. But you had a thought, uh, Bob, or memory? Well, I do have. A lot of memories about Patino, and I really did like him and still like him, unlike most of the people here in Boston. But we did a show. We did a Rick Patino show uh, right. once a week. And uh, I do uh, you know, clearly remember things were going downhill fast. He wasn't stupid. He right. knew that it was pretty much over for him, although he was owed a lot of money, like $25 million that mm-hmm. he still had contractually coming. So he called this meeting for the, the Palm. It used to be the Palm Restaurant over... In the back bay? Yeah. Yeah, back the, right, right, attached right. to the west end there. Yeah, but yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. But the Palm Restaurant had a back room. Right. So he was there, with his chauffeur was there, his uh, trainer was there. His uh, chauffeur? Well, the guy should drive him around. Oh. You know, that, yeah, was that Jersey Red? No, oh, Jersey was... Red was there. Okay. You're right, that's yeah. very good. He was, his Jersey Red was yeah. there and a few other people, myself... And Alan Miller, who I mentioned before, and I think we were there because I think he just kind of trusted our opinion, whatever. Right. And he wanted us to go around the table and tell him what to do, you know. <laughs> and um, some people said, stick it out, you know. I said, that's the reason they made an Acela train, so you could get on it and get out of town. <laughs> and that's, you know, he said, he decided, no, I'm gonna stay. And a week later, was gone, <laughs> and I and it was just one of those. I'm trying to remember who was the, who who would have fired him. Who was the owner at the time? He quit. He didn't. Oh, we just quit. yeah, and he left about 25 million on the table. I mean, okay. it, yeah. people don't care, forget it or whatever. But he made a pretty good sacrifice. On the other hand, I'm sure he's done quite well back at Louisville or yep. whatever he is. Yep. So right. he knows his stuff. He, uh, the other thing I would say this, and then I'll shut up. Exactly. I hope he doesn't shut One up. One of my sorry. favorite things is uh, I got to do in the last three years, and that's announce the Red Sox games on Fenway Park. Unbelievable. It's like a kid again, you know. Doing all, doing, you know, the lineups and, and all that stuff. So Got a World Series ring for 1913. I mean, sorry, 2013. 2013. Yeah, 2013. Yeah. I think they we won still, in 1913. I don't also, think but. so, but I do know with 2013. 20, oh, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. Yeah, so, in the footsteps of the great Sherm Feller, right? Well, Sherman and Carl Bean. and yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, Not every game, like once a week or something. You it, do it about once. Yeah, it's a couple other guys do it. That's fine. That's just it's fine. And so so, what is that like? What is? Why is it um Because, you know what? Yeah. It's just like being a kid again. Yeah. I can't, how do I explain it? 38,000 people. Nobody really knows who it is who's talking. Some right. people do, would recognize whatever the voice or something but they don't identify whoever's doing it it's just doing it and like the pregame is is like 40 pages long like blood donor of the month season ticket holder of the month student of the month and you got a bunch of names you got to get it right and that it is a little challenging but then you get to the lineups you know now batting designated here number 34 david ortiz well the fans react i mean i think that's more it you whatever you say not because of the way you say it or who says it, but the fans react. 
you can get that that reaction. You must have had a lot of fun. Pretty cool. Like when uh, saying now pitching uh, Koji Uwehara. Yeah, like you when know, he was, I, yeah, he, totally. Yeah, it's, it's just pretty cool to do that. I think I would enjoy the part about the. The, ladies and gentlemen, we want to uh, bring your attention to the following rules and regulations of Do you they still do that? They cut that out. No, they, they cut it out. Yeah, oh, they. It's <laughs> if it's on, it's just a video. But oh, you're right. They, I, I remember the first year I did that, but oh, okay. after that, no. Yeah, because I can remember no. Sherm's voice on that. Totally. Yeah. That's great. That I wonder if some really people good. don't realize that that's you up there, right, and, and so you now know everybody what? knows. It's different. No, yeah. yeah that. <laughs> What's your favorite Fenway memory? David Roberts, I guess, the steal of second base, but... Were you there that night? Yes, I was. Uh, you know, See, that, that, so that, but so that one was more memorable in um, in uh, hindsight, right? Because, yes. you know, we, we didn't realize it yes. was quite as... Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Upton Bell and I used to sit sat on the roof in 78 when Bucky Dent... No, 78, right? In his home sure. run. Sure, mm-hmm. yep. And... Uh, so that we not never forget that but there have been I don't know where to start I re- yeah I know it's hard you know I ran out of uh, my house crying that day it was um, <laughs> it was a Jewish holiday I remember and growing up in Sharon it, which was uh, hugely Jewish they gave us the day off and I was sitting home and you know we we were Yastrzemski hit a home run in the first inning the place went bonkers um, and we were up Two nothing, and I thought, are we really going to beat the Yankees? They had Ron Guidry on the mound, who was twenty five and three. I said to my father, "We can't win. We can't beat Guidry." And um, not only did uh, that home run crush our spirits, but then Reggie hit a home run, and we came back, clawed back. It was five to four, and Yastrzemski at, at the plate with the with the with the with the tying run on on board, and he popped out to Nettles. Oh my God! I get the chills and tears in my eyes thinking about it. Right? Yeah, I know. It's just. It was one of those moments, but like we said at the beginning of the podcast, yep. the bad stuff really made the good stuff even better. It's true, yeah. You know, yeah. just had to suffer through some of those times. One of my, I got a lot of these little favorite stupid things. Sure, you, I made up a bumper sticker. It just had a Red Sox logo and said, not in our lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I just thought that was, these are little things that I loved yeah. having. And then uh, you, what you should have done was reprint it a- after 04 with, the, with an X through the knot, you know? I know, I'm not that, <laughs> not that clever. But I did like that thing was hanging in my office. It was just <laughs> did you, we reminded were ta- to not take myself too seriously. I mean, which you, which you, you never have, and I mean that in the most positive way. So we talked a little bit before we, we started recording about, um, I was saying how I, I think you engendered some jealousy in in the media in Boston um, when you know you were you know you know at, at the height of your fame and it's not just the height of your fame it was it's a, te- it's a testament to how important uh, local news was back then and you were probably the most recognizable member of the media um, sports or non-sports um, there was um, there was a column that I don't even know remember who I would call him out if I could remember it, but he wrote there was you were doing some promotional thing and y- there happened to be some Women hired. Let's just say they weren't hired for their brains. They were hired to be eye oh, candy. Oh, I know. I can you tell you exactly. Of course, yeah. it was the River Rave by WBCN. Yeah, and BCN you were, River Rave in, right. in in Foxborough at the stadium. Sure, at the stadium. Yep. Yeah. And I deserved it. I, I, I remember. You know what? <laughs> no, you didn't. I did deserve what I got. Wait, let's just it, remind people what it was. So that, uh, and I'll set up real quick, Bob, and then you remember more about it. I'm sure. But but 
Um, you know, you basically appear with, you had sunglasses on, you look kind of summery, and you were kind of given thumbs up, and you had sort of a babe on each arm. But it was a promotional thing, and someone in the Herald, I guess, wrote a column. Yeah, Peter Gilzinis. Saying it was a well, sad you know, thing or something. Sad thing, because yeah. there were women taking their tops off. No, but they weren't topless in the photo. Oh, yes. Well, no, not in the photo, but... Later they did? From where oh. I was, they were. <laughs> well, well, this is news. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it was See that kind see. of a... That kind of a crowd. Was, so the next was, day, yeah. okay, okay yeah. wrote the Glazinus wrote yeah. the column. He, you know, he got me pretty good. Yep. And then I was in, I was home in our kitchen. My wife, my daughter, uh, uh, my wife had the Herald in her hand, and she said, "Savannah, you want to know where your father was yesterday?" Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, Bing. Like That's just you know, it's just meaning. Was she pissed or was that sort of half joking? I think she thought it was. I was stupid for doing okay. it. She was right. Yeah, you really think so? No, I don't know. It's not what you thought at the time. I no, remember at what the I thought at the time was I thought I was really cool. What? Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you were. Know. Well, was, I, I just thought it was a stretch. That's all. Like I suppose you could say you you were you were but acting immature, but Nick it Carter was, was the host at BCN. BCN, yeah. sure. Yeah. It was It was. It wasn't the best decision. Was, I was ever Charles made. there? Charles, Charles was would, not there then. See, he wouldn't have allowed that. No, I'm just kidding. I am kidding. He would have um, taken his top off. <laughs> I'm sure Mark Parento would have as well. Another story for another time. The other um, thing is, okay, I'll shut up after that. I keep saying no, that. No, don't shut up. It was up. when Bill Buckner walked off camera when he was really mad at me for oh. asking that question. I asked him a question. How come you not – this was in the playoffs against Anaheim. Yeah. He was not hitting. Like, the, their big hitters were not hitting. But Marty Barrett and Burleson and those middle infielders were hitting like three, 400 – Right. And I asked Buckner, you know, when do you think you guys that are supposed to hit are going to start getting it together? He said, did you really ask me that question? Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I think I did. And then he walked off. I thought I, I, thought I was going to get fired after that. But it Sounds like a fair question to me. It wasn't even my question. It was Don Shane's question. He was yeah. a weekend sportscaster. And I had gone over to him before the newscast started, and I said, how about a different – I'm getting tired of asking these guys the same thing. So yeah. shame on me. That was it. That'll so, teach me a lesson. Well, but was this, so this was in 86? So if it was Yeah, again, yeah. So that was, no, so, yeah, it was right. It's too I, bad you shook his confidence, Bob, because weeks later, he, me, he made a pretty big error. <laughs> 19 days. Is that right? 19 days before game six, he's, he's doing an interview with us. Mm -hmm. And the question was, what's the worst thing that could happen to you during a World Series. He says, well, I guess have a ball go through your legs and lose the game. No way. It's on tape, 19 days before. Oh. I mean, isn't that amazing? You were sitting with him? Yeah, well, no, it's Don Shane did the Don interview. Shane. Okay, Don But Shane. it's on tape. I mean, bang. Oh, my God. I know, it's incredible. It's yeah, Shaughnessy, Shaughnessy never got over that. He thought that was really, it was. Wow. It was something. The dreams are that you're going to have a great series and win, and uh, the nightmares are that you're going to let the Winning run, uh, score on a ground ball through your legs. So. Well, that night, that series, that season, you know, it was a, a Greek tragedy. It, it was, you know, Dave Henderson making a deal with the devil. And um, you'll appreciate this. I, I bumped into another one of my heroes um, a number of years ago, Al Michaels. And, oh, um, yeah. And, uh, and so I, I couldn't help myself. I had to ask, I asked him about the, uh, the 1980 Olympic hockey team. That I said, you know, in here, here he was in town for uh, calling Monday Night Pats game. I just bumped into him at a hotel. I said, Al, we remember you here for 
Game 5 of the 1986 ALCS in Anaheim when um, the Red Sox were down to their last out and uh, Dave Henderson hit that home run, right? And um, he said, I remember that game. And, and, and he said it was not only the Henderson home run, but the rice catch at the wall and everything. And I said to him, uh, Al, you know, I remember you came back from a commercial at one point, and what you said was to, to start, you said, if you just tuned in, too bad. And he looked at me with wide eyes and he said, I remember that. And he, said, he said, my producer told me to sum up the game and if to sort of thumb my nose at him saying, there's no way I can sum up this game. But the, but that whole, the, now, now I'm babbling, but that whole saga of, of a season. You know, and, Dave Henderson yeah. legitimately had the two biggest home runs in Red Sox history. That game and in game six. In game six? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just an inning, an inning before Buckner, he had right? Two biggest home runs, right. and, and then they were just wiped out. It, unbelievable. Wiped off the board. Like who remembers Dave Henderson's home runs? And then to rub salt in the Red Sox fans' wounds, he left the team and became an all-star with the A's. I know, <laughs> he had a well, nice you know, career. Why can't we get players like that? <laughs> perfect. Right. It's just, it's just yeah. so perfect. So um, let's uh, let's play a quick game. We got a game here, Bob, called the Five Minute Drill. And what I'm going to do? You know what? Okay. Go no, ahead. no, you're going to like this. I think what? I'm going to give you names of, of personalities in Boston sports. In 15 seconds, I want you to just give us. This, it's not a quiz. Uh, this is something I would do to somebody That's else. That's right. So come up and uh, uh, paybacks are a bitch, Bob. No, but <laughs> just I'm not. There's no correct answer. I'm just give us your impression. Like what is memorable to you about? Like if I said, um, you know. Uh, uh, you know. This is one of those things you'd go home driving and say, well, why didn't I say that? Why didn't I say that? Okay, go ahead. Just if it sucks, we'll cut it out, okay? No, you just suck That's exactly All right. the point, I'm gonna... I think. Right. All right. How if... stupid can I be? I didn't say that. Bob, put your uh, cans on here if you want to hear the intro to the five-minute drill. Right. Here we go, five-minute drill. The five-minute drill. Time is very precious to me. Put that coffee down. It's about honor. It's about respect. In any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that itch. You were meant to be here tonight. Either you're somebody or you're nobody. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. See what I learned from watching um, yeah. Sports Spotlight all those years, Bob? Uh-huh. You know what you all right, I'm gonna throw out some names of Boston sports figures. Just tell yeah, us. What do you, you want know, me to say? Just like, what, like, what your memory, your enduring memory of that person will be. Okay, so here we go. In no particular order, and these, there are some really random people on this list, but Chris Ford. Well, first guy to ever make a three-point shot in the NBA. That's right. Was a great, uh, was their coach. Back on a plane with the Celtics after they won the title in Houston, we were all rode, we rode the team plane back, and they. He was sitting in first class with a trophy. Okay, yeah. There you go. And okay. Good. Ron Meyer. Ha ha ha. Told you it was gonna be sort of red. Ron Meyer. We chased him from the airport when he arrived in a cab. Yeah. You know, stupid. Who who are we? Reporters? <laughs> I mean, who do we think we are? No. Paparazzi. We got a cab. Yeah. yeah paparazzi. Yeah. Got a cab. Followed him in the car, and chased him all the way to Foxborough. Cab. Eighty-six dollars. And of course. The station when I gave him that bill, you know, and you didn't get reimbursed for that. No, <laughs> and of course the snowplow, Ron Meyer snowplow, uh, having them, you know, plow off the game against Miami. You remember the name of the driver? Yes, I Mark. do, but I can't remember it right now. Mark Henderson. Mark Henderson, right? Right. On, on uh, 
on furlough or job or whatever yes, it was called. Work. It was a work release. That was great. Yeah. We, we, you had to celebrate the the obscure path no wins question. back then, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Butch Hobson. Uh, it's kind of a tragedy. Hobson was a pretty good player. Uh, got chips in his elbow. On the other hand, uh, did not exactly take care of himself mm. when it came to training. But you know. He was a really good guy. I remember going to his house the day he was fired, sitting there talking to him and his wife, and you know it was sad. But it's just things you have. Did to that do. have to do with the marijuana bust? Or I don't think. Was that unrelated? I, you know what? I don't. I don't remember that. But because looking back on it, with the the attitude about marijuana these days, it's it, a little it, different. Probably, yeah. Oh, okay. Want to see my card? <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> Can I borrow it? Just kidding. Hey, Dave, an, Dave, take I, that out. I have an Oregon card, actually. My daughter lives is in Oregon. Right? Yeah, I flew out there three weeks ago to get a card. Is that right? Because I couldn't get one here. But that's another story for my another bro- time. <laughs> my, bro- my brother uh, lives in San Francisco, yeah. and um, it's it's like they give it away. No, they do. Uh, At every corner, you get, you know. Yeah, dispensaries. Uh, okay, uh, let's see. Tiny Archibald. Um, yeah, you know, it was really... The thing I remember about Tiny Archibald was Johnny Most doing most of the when he called games. I mean, Archibald was a pretty good point guard, and you know the Celtics had a pretty good team. But I wouldn't pay money to see him play if that's what you're asking. Yeah, no, I guess so. But you, you, did you work alongside? Johnny yes, Most? two years, two years. I what did. was that? What was that like? Because <laughs> like, okay, here's the story. Most, we used to sit in in the old garden. We'd sit in the front row on the first balcony and we go to go sit down get ready for the game hi uh, you know welcome to Boston Celtics basketball this is Johnny Mose we're tonight high above portside the Celtics uh, are going to do basketball battle with he didn't know who they were playing <laughs> he had to look down to find out who they were playing uh, I can't remember where about it where is another it? time in Philadelphia when a fan <laughs> the playoffs sitting in the courtside at the end, the fan came, had a cigar, came along and blew smoke in Mo's face. Oh. Put the headsets down and said, take it. And then he went out after the fan. <laughs> you kidding me? I can't make this up. <laughs> so in, 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 in forgetting the name of the team and such, was it that in his uh, in his elder years he was getting forgetful? Or did he have, no, he he had a couple attention. drinks? No, or? he just didn't pay attention. Oh, no. <laughs> it was so, so he, you know, you and I would be like, Everything would be memorized, right, you know. Right, right. You, but, you. I remember you playing a clip of him calling a, a game overseas, um, and you said Johnny Most had, a, I think, a little trouble with the names of the opponents, oh, and, he, <laughs> and he said, and point guard throws it over to the yeah, lefty. Yeah, uh, Russian down team the, or something. Yeah, yeah. and he, he didn't know any of the no, names. No, no, no. <laughs> he didn't, and he didn't care. So yeah, right. he was unbelievable. Okay, here's the next name: Terry Glenn. Terry Glenn. He was on sports final and said I did D-I-D D-I-D did and I'm not sure what it referred to other than to say did you Steve Burton was there and I think Burton brought him in I think no I remember was you said do you want to play for the Patriots do you want to play for the Patriots he said I did yeah D-I-D did yes that's exactly right right Terry Glenn Ohio State pretty good player but you know what just a classic uh, head case right I mean that's yeah yeah you're right a lot of them didn't get it he was one of the once it didn't. My uh, athlete, but that's the way it goes. My my uncle Chris Spinazzola, who who you know, Bob, uh, oh, yeah. used, used to used to run the 
the restaurant down the street from the stadium. And the wine expo. That, oh yeah, it's coming back by the way, the, the, uh, the Spinozola food and Good. wine gala, it's, it's coming back Good. just to, to give my Uncle Chris a few more gray hairs in Aunt March. <laughs> but um, but uh, you know, he said all the players used to you know, come in and almost across the board, they all drove you know, big SUVs except for Glenn would pull up in his Maserati. And he, <laughs> he was just... You know he, what, that's another... Parking at Fenway Park, the nights when I go in and do the PA, right. I'm allowed to park where the players park. Right. So I get to see what they're driving. Okay. Most amazing, I'd have to say, the best one I saw was South of La Machia had an, one of those Audi convertibles. Mm -hmm. it, it was to die for. You wouldn't think that. No, you wouldn't. And I'll tell you what else you wouldn't think. Yeah. Handcrafted Aston Martin. Who's that? It was, it's white. It. Uh, an amazing looking machine yeah. and it was a couple hundred thousand dollars right. step up mike napoli really yeah. could you See, believe that oh no i would have thought napoli would drive a, a pickup truck of course or an you SUV would. Or something. yeah, of course yeah. You would. I, wow i don't know why he would even drive it to the game yeah i mean it's just it's sitting there all you can do is look at it mm -hmm. I, anyway okay all right next name and, and we're almost done joni benoit or my, now, Joni Benoit Samuels. One of my favorite athletes of all time. What? I, I loved her because she was so gutty, and she was she was not in herself. She was just a tremendous uh, athlete, and and she really. And after she won, you know, Boston's one thing, but to win the first women's Olympic marathon yep. in L.A., you know, I love her. I still love her. I just. She, at the time, and I don't remember the year, but she, she broke the, the women's record for the Boston yeah, Marathon. Yeah. And you were on the broadcast, and I'll never forget the genuine excitement in your voice when you I said, here she comes, Joni Benoit, what a job. You said, what a job. I know, I was very, she yeah. was always one of my favorites and still is. Yeah. I know people say, well, who's the greatest athlete you ever covered? I would say her. Really? Well, and uh, Dick Hoyt. Sure. Mm -hmm. Who? How many marathons? I mean, okay. Are you going to tell me he's not the greatest athlete? Yeah, you can do that. What skills does he have except pushing his son right. sixty-five? You know, yeah. that's pretty good stuff. I mean, that's that's a convincing argument for me, and I have no problem saying Dick Hoyt. I mean, it could have been Bird, it could have been Ainge, baseball player, could have yeah. been any Fisk. Fisk is a great athlete. Yeah. In fact, we were in Fisk's kitchen the night or the day he got the call for the Hall of Fame. I mean, I think about all the stuff Is that, that right? I, was there. Yeah, he he lived out near Chicago, mm -hmm. and he and I were close friends when we were in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. uh, he was probably one guy I was too close with. You can't causes problems. Bad right? deal. Yeah, yeah. It's bad. It causes problems. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he left. He went to Chicago Hall of Fame. We we had talked about it with him. What are the chances of us going out there and being with you that morning? Right. Because we kind of pretty sure he was going to get it but so he let us go it was just the two of us well just a f photographer myself was he first ballot yeah. Uh, uh, yeah first I year. think so yeah. yeah I think so yeah and uh, <laughs> we had this conversation about well what if he what if you don't get the call what if you don't get it he said well I'll go out and shoot squirrels <laughs> <laughs> out but of frustration or it was, no fun? it was amazing yeah. that the call yeah. came his wife Linda it was 
it was pretty cool. So you know what I have to say? It's like this stuff happened to somebody else. I was just there watching it. You know, does that make any sure, sense? Sure, yeah. yeah. It's like it's a surreal feeling. Yeah, it was yeah. like, but wow, it was I, get, yeah. I still get a chance to watch all these things, but it didn't feel like it was me. Does that make any yeah. sense? Okay. That's well, you, you, yeah, I guess you could say, I would argue, I mean, you, what you're saying is sort of you were, you've been a witness to these, witness. these memorable yeah, that's moments. Witness, that's a witness. Yeah, but you created plenty of things along the way. So what, like, what did Fisk, do you remember what he said or how he reacted? Well, I or? did, you know, he was, he was not that joyful. I mean, he was joyful, but yeah. he's not the kind of guy that go, you know, whoa-wee, you know, right. throw things around. He right. had to talk with, I think Jack Lang was his baseball writer's secretary, and so, you know. Mm-hmm. So they gave the bunch such such and such stuff. Then we took the tape, went in town to Chicago, fed it back to the station, and it was great. It was really good. It was even better because no one else was there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? It's, yeah, it's special. Um, right. But my, anyway. my Fisk memory was um, several years after he left the Red Sox and with the White Sox. I was at Fenway, and it was a game the Red Sox were happened to be winning pretty handily, like you know eight to two or something. And Fisk came up in the late innings and hits a solo home run. And the park is fairly quiet. It's an opponent hitting a home run. By the time he got to second, some applause started picking up. By the time he rounded third, the applause was was louder. By the time he got to home plate, it was deafening. And and he just he he just sort of uh, subtly tipped his cap to the crowd. And I thought it was just such a nice That's Fenway sweet. moment. It was like it was like we'll never forget of, you. Yeah. No, there's some of the really good stuff in sports. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of bad stuff, but every once in a while, there's a good moment that comes along that you really need to cherish. Mm-hmm. So could you could you do uh, your just a, we have a couple more minutes here. I spent with Bob, and I, I I'm, there's no way I'm going to get through all the things I want to ask him. But do you have a, a Boston sports Mount Rushmore? If you had to pick four sort of um, that it, greats yeah. from your era, I'm talking about. Yeah, can, who would you pick? I can do uh, what we did this show with Ted Williams and Bobby Orr and Larry Bird. There's just and then I'd throw in Bill Russell. If he would have been available, he'd be number four. And then I put Tom Brady. So there's the five. And yeah. you can you can say Brady's not. No, I I was on the air when Brady was here yeah, for sure. a long time. So yeah. I say those five. I have no problem identifying. No, I think guys like Clemens and Flutie probably a little notch down. Notch down. But or those cheese. Notch I'll, down. I'll, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm. You know what? Mm. Notch down. Mm. I'm not sure about the Hall of Fame for him either, but. I don't want to get myself into trouble talking about it, so I won't. But those would well, be probably, those. Are, those five guys are like. Well, he's cre- he, he might he might hit five hundred home runs, right, Poppy? Yeah, but yeah. Different era. He does, he does own the bad word public bad word <laughs> title. He beat out it's Larry in the, Bird. It's no, in the he beat out Larry Bird. Larry Bird had it when <laughs> Moses Malone was at City Hall. Moses eats. We can say right. it's a pocket. Moses so eats Bird dog shit. Bird held that record yeah. for a long time until. Yeah, but Pop, or Jesus was uplifting. Larry no, Birch was putting down most of no, the Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I really think that 2013 team and the marathon bombings are intimately connected. Yeah. I think their success, it's hard to explain why, but they're, they're not separate. It was karmic, yeah, yeah right? Karmic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, karmic. I mean, and, and by the way, the, the, the team's failures the last couple of years is only sort of proving that out, that there was something right. special I mean, going on guys that season. Like, you know, Mike Karp. Sure. And, uh, oh, I love Mike Nava and, you know. Johnny Gomes. And, yeah, and, just, um, I mean, they were guys that, who, where is they now? But it was, it really was our version of a ragtag, you know, band, you know. Um, and um, 
That's my favorite Sox uh, championship because most people say, oh, 04 was the greatest. No, no, I just. Yours too? Well, I got a ring, so. Why oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Little Bell, fin- Lil Bell finally got his ring. I'm name on it. That's you great. That? Yeah. That's fantastic. It, it's, it's so well deserved. Um, no. You know. Uh, I, just, I know no one did less for more than I did that. <laughs> just a couple of now, you know, a couple games. Now batting, and then they did it. They well, gave rings. you remember when Duval got an Oscar for his role in The Color of Money, which was hardly one of his best performances. <laughs> it was more of a lifetime achievement. That's that's what you deserve, yeah, uh, well, Bob. So you deserve one more than anyone. All those years laboring with the, the seasons the Sox used to put The last out. thing I expected, I know that one day after the season was over and done with, I got a call from the Red Sox and said, what's your ring size? <laughs> I said, what do you mean, what's your ring size? Yeah. Yeah, well, you get a ring. I couldn't. I couldn't run down to the jeweler fast enough to give him to have to have <laughs> my finger. I know, know yeah, finger yeah. measured, and right. that's exactly you know. Yeah. Before they change their mind. Yes, <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, um, so let's. Um, it, we've uh, we've kept you too long here, Bob, but it's been such a thrill. Um, tell us what um, you have. Uh, you have a blog that I know. It's it's the why can't we get players like that blog? Yeah. Where do it's, where do people go to to it's visit on, the blog? You know what. It's on a website called Sweet Sports, which is S U I T E Sports dot com. I don't know what to say about it. It's I was very apprehensive about writing. Mm-hmm. It just was not in television. You don't write. Mm-hmm. You just utter <laughs> utter phrases. Yeah. You know, and I used to do stuff and not on the prompter. Just I wouldn't use the prompter only because it felt. It's just one more person that could screw it up. Yeah. But you'd have a chance to oh, talk. Oh, you never used a teleprompter? Har- no, okay. hardly ever. I wouldn't say never. Okay. Important stories, yes, because okay. you wanted to get important stories. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But sports, you just really wanted to talk to people into that lens. You just didn't, well, you wanted to tell them a story. If you're reading, it doesn't quite come across like that. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, so I tried not to use the teleprompter, and that's... I remember, I, I have this enduring memory of you holding a few pieces of paper after another Red Sox loss and kind of frustratingly shuffling them and, and saying, I don't know, Elizabeth, I guess that's it. <laughs> she would be laughing. Uh, yeah, it happened more than once. But. <laughs> so sweetsports.com, and you, you, you still do the, the Legends uh, TV we do, show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. And people can find that on the website as well? The well, where to, yeah, where? they can They can do that. I okay. think they can find it somewhere. Come on, pitch something, Bob. No, I'm just You deserve you know. more. I have a Facebook page that I never look at. Okay. It's very good. Is it? Yes. You also have a Twitter account. I, I, you do I tweet, know that, yeah. but I yeah. never. The only. No, you tweet. Once, you tweet now and again. Every once yeah. in a while, yeah. I'll, I'll, one of my favorite was when the Cubs were looking at Theo Epstein. Sure. I just said, please take him. <laughs> I just those are the little. Yeah. You didn't have to use 140 characters to make yeah. the point. They're just there. Yeah, there's some things that. You know, just seemed to register. Well, check out sweetsports.com. Our thanks to uh, the great Bob Lobel. Bob Davis, great help. I'd love to do it again sometime, yeah. And um, you know what? You make money on this because. Someday, Bob. We'll talk about it later. (laughs) Do you have. Right. Do you you have. uh, You guys are lawyers. We are. Yeah. If you have an agent, I, I never seen a lawyer with. do something for no money. So yeah. <laughs> it must be really something good. Congratulations. Thank you. We, well, we, we try to do it in keeping with our sort of networking and, and professional pursuits, but then there are some times where you just have a, a, an awesome chat with someone. And um, and uh, anytime, this, this, you know. <laughs> thank, 
Thank you missed you, anything, you know where to find me. All right, excellent. Bob Lobel on the Boston Podcast. By the way, check us out online at thebostonpodcast.com for all of our past episodes. A couple recent ones are excellent with Mike Dukakis and Chuck Hogan, who wrote the book that became the movie The Town. That's wow. a really great one. Big time. Yep. <laughs> check them out. We'll see you next time. Everybody and welcome to the great 80s, a decade of sports in Boston.